Hey, welcome to uh, the podcast, uh, Stu. How you doing? How you doing? Really well, Glenn. Thank yeah. you so much for asking. I yeah, appreciate yeah, yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I asked you very sincerely, too. It seemed sincere. Oh, it was. I hope you're doing well with your health. Well, I hope that your marriage lasts forever. <laughs> <laughs> May you never get cancer this week. <laughs> this is a very odd, odd greeting. But, greeting, but I do yeah. appreciate it. All right, we have a uh, we have a great podcast for you today. Uh, we have Blake Masters on. Um, he is the guy who is running for the Senate. We also have a guy who was just kicked off Twitter. He is an investigative journalist. He was kicked off forever. Because he said, uh, I have evidence coming out that uh, shows that the FBI knew exactly what they were doing. And they were trying to get uh, documents back that make the FBI look bad. What can you say in America? Also, Carol Roth is with us. She's going to talk a little bit about your economy and what is coming. All this and so much more on today's podcast. BlazeTV.com slash Glenn. To subscribe to Blaze TV, use the promo code Glenn to save 10 bucks. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast along with Studios America available every weekday. And Saturday, right here where you get your podcast, you're going to hear my interview um, that I had yesterday with um, Rob Schneider. Really funny, surprising, um, really a great, great guy. Uh, that is going to happen on Saturday for everyone, or if you're a Blaze TV subscriber, it will be coming uh, Thursday for you. It's one that you don't want to miss. If you're one of the millions of Americans who suffer every day from pain, listen up. There is hope, you sick, twisted freak. It comes in the form of Relief Factor. Relief Factor can help you get out of pain. Well, not everybody. About 70% of the people who try it go on to order more month after month. They want to make sure that you know that in three weeks, you're probably going to know. Sometimes it takes a little more, but you'll see some indication that this is working for you. So try the three-week quick start. After three weeks, if it's not working, stop taking it. 70% of the people go on to order more month after month. You want a drug-free and natural way to get your life back? It's relieffactor.com. That's relieffactor.com. Here's the podcast. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. I came from Nuremberg to provide historic context to the global threat confronting our civilization today. These past two and a half years have been especially stressful as painful memories have been rekindled. In 1941, I was three and a half when my family was forced from our home in Romania and deported to the Ukraine. We were herded into a concentration camp and essentially left to starve. Death was ever present. My father died of typhus when I was five. In 1944, as the final solution was being aggressively implemented, Romania retreated from its alliance with Nazi Germany. The government permitted several hundred Jewish orphans under the age of 12 to return to Romania. I was not an orphan. My mother lied to save my life. I boarded a cattle car train, same train that continued to transport Jews to the death camps, even as Germany was losing the war. Four years elapsed before I was returned 
and reunited with my mother. These are the words of Viera Sharev. She gave a speech in Nuremberg just a couple of days ago. She was speaking at the Children's Health Defense Conference. Her speech is titled, Unless All of Us Resist, Never Again is Right Now. She talked about how we're supposed to remember. We're supposed to remember the Holocaust, and it is the symbol of unmitigated evil. She said the moral norms and human values were systematically obliterated, not all at once, but over several years. She said the Nazi system destroyed the social conscience. And millions of people worked. And they were worked to death as slave laborers. Others were abused. Some were experimental human guinea pigs. She said it didn't begin in Auschwitz. The Holocaust was preceded by nine years of incremental restrictions on personal freedom and the suspension of legal and civil rights. She said the stage was set by fear-mongering and hate-mongering propaganda. She said a series of humiliating discriminatory government edicts demonized people as spreaders of disease. Jews were compared to lice. Why am I telling you this today? I want you to hear the rest of what she said, but I'll tell you why I'm saying it. This just came from the Associated Press. Canada, a country with perhaps the most permissive euthanasia laws in the world, will soon make those laws even more permissive. I'll give you the rest of the story. After I finish telling you what Vera said, she said the real viral disease that infected Nazi Germany is eugenics and eugenics is the elitist ideology at the root of all genocide, the elitist ideology. She said it is cloaked in a mantle of pseudoscience. It was embraced by the academic and medical institutions as well as the judiciary. Eugenicists justified social and economic inequality. They legitimized discrimination, apartheid, sterilization, euthanasia, and, and genocide. The Nazis called it ethnic cleansing for the protection of the gene pool. She said, but medicine was perverted from its healing mission, and it was weaponized. First, it was control of reproduction through forced sterilization. Then it was to eliminate those deemed as subhuman. The first victims, however, of medical murder were a thousand German disabled children and toddlers. This murderous operation was expanded to an estimated 10,000 children up to the age of 17. Then the next victims were the mentally ill, and then they were followed by the elderly in nursing homes, and they were all worthless, useless, worthless eaters. She says the purpose of the Holocaust memorials is to warn and inform future generations about how an enlightened 
civil society can be transformed into a genocidal universe ruled by absolute moral depravity. Remember, the Germans were the smartest among us. They were the most educated among us. This was not a third world country. This is the country that led the world in science and education. How did that happen? She went on with her speech. She said the Nazi era, the study of history and most of the humanities, including philosophy, religion and ethics, have been overshadowed by an emphasis on utilitarian science and technology. She says, as a result, few people recognize the foreboding similarities between today's policies in today's Western world and those under the Nazi regime. By declaring a state of emergency in 1933 and in 2020, constitutionally protected personal freedoms, legal rights, civil rights were all swept aside and repressive discriminatory decrees followed. In 1933, she said the primary target for discrimination were the Jews. Today, however, the target is people who refuse to be injected with experimental genetically engineered vaccines. Then and now, government dictates were crafted to eliminate segments of the population. In 2020, government dictates forbade hospitals from treating the elderly in nursing homes. The result, she says, was mass murder. Government decrees continue to forbid doctors to prescribe life-saving FDA-approved medicines. Government-dictated protocols continue to kill. The media is silent as it was then. The media broadcast a single government-dictated narrative, just as it had under the Nazis. Strict censorship silences opposing views. In Nazi Germany, few individuals objective, but those who did were imprisoned in concentration camps. Today, doctors and scientists who challenge the approved narrative are maligned. Their reputations trashed. They risk losing their license to practice as well as having their homes and workplace raided by SWAT teams. She says the moral significance of the Nuremberg Code cannot be overstated. The code is the most authoritative internationally recognized document in the history of medical ethics. It's a landmark doc, uh, document that was formulated in response to the evidence of medical atrocities committed by Nazi physicians and scientists. The Nuremberg Code rejects the ideology of eugenics and unequivocally asserts primacy and dignity of the individual human being as opposed to the greater good of society. The Nuremberg Code defined foundational and universal moral and legal standards, and the human rights that it protects apply to every human being. It sets limits on the parameter of permissible medical experiments. Equally important, the Nuremberg Code holds doctors and research investi investigators personally responsible to ensure the human subject's safety and to ensure that the person freely gave his voluntarily fully informed consent. Finally, she says the genocidal culture that permeated the Nazi regime did not end in 1945. 
it metastasized in the United States. At the end of the war, U.S. the U.S. government agents helped 1,600 high-ranking Nazi scientists, doctors, and engineers to evade justice at Nuremberg. These technocrats facilitated the murderous Nazi operations. They were Hitler's partners in crime. They were secretly smuggled into the U.S. under Operation Paperclip. This was a violation of explicit orders by President Harry Truman. These Nazi criminals were placed in high-level positions at major American scientific and medical institutions where they continued their work. What's more, these Nazi technocrats trained a generation of American scientists, doctors, and engineers. She said in 1961, in his farewell address to the nation, Dwight Eisenhower warned against the increased dominance of the military-industrial complex, whose total influence, economic, politi- political, even spiritual, is felt everywhere. We must be alert to the danger that public policy itself could be captive of a scientific, technological elite. A posse of ruthless, interconnected, global billionaires, she said, have now gained control over national and international policy-setting institutions. They have embarked on implementing a diabolical agenda to overthrow democracy and the Western civilization, to depopulate the global population, to eliminate nation-states and establish one-world government, to eliminate cash and establish one digital currency, to inject digital IDs or artificial intelligence capabilities into every human being. If these objectives become a reality, we will be digitally surveilled 24 hours a day, seven days a week. In May 22, she said, the World Economic Forum in Davos, Klaus Schwab, the architect of this dystopian Great Reset, declared, let's be clear, the future is not just happening. The future is built by us, a powerful community here in this room. We have the means to impose the state of the world. She said the ultimate goal of these megalomaniacs is to gain total control of the world's natural resources, the financial resources, and also to replace some humans with transhumans transhumanism is a biotech enhanced caste system it's the new eugenics klaus schwab the lead advisor is yuval noah harari an oxford university trained israeli he's a proponent of the new eugenics and transhumanism he refers to humans as hackable animals and declared we have the technology to hack humans on a massive scale This is the new eugenics. Harari declares that there are too many, quote, useless people. To me, that sounds too close to the Nazi term worthless eaters. These megalomaniacs have paved the world for another Holocaust. This time, the threat of genocide is global in scale. This time, there will be no rescuers unless all of us resist now. Never again is now. Now, back to the story from Canada in 60 seconds. If you haven't been stockpiling food in anticipation of the coming shortages, it's really time for you to consider getting started. Thank you for being awake. There's a difference between being woke and awake. And I am wide awake, are you? You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck Program.
uh, Paul Sperry on uh, with us now. Hello, Paul. How are you? Hey, how are you? Good. <laughs> Good. Um, Paul is uh, a senior staff writer at RealClearInvestigations.com, columnist also at the New York Post, and he is also a Hoover Institution Media Fellow. We have him on because tomorrow night's special, uh, Wednesday night special, is a weaponized government, how the Mar-a-Lago raid is an attack on all of us. So, Paul, what was it that Twitter found so offensive about, about your reporting? Well, that's still a mystery. Uh, they kicked me off the day after Trump's home was raided, and I was in the middle of tweeting uh, more about the raid, and suddenly I got a, a message that popped up, said, you have been permanently suspended. You're permanently? <laughs> was, yeah. Wow. No reasons given. Didn't say what, what rules or policies I allegedly had violated to prompt that. Um, yeah, so they canceled my account without any explanation, which is, by the way, a violation of their own rules. Because if you look them up, they're, they're supposed to, quote, explain which policy you may have violated yeah, and which know. content and which content was in violation, and they did not do that in my case because they know I didn't break any rules. So isn't one of the guys at Twitter, isn't he a former FBI high-ranking guy? Uh, yeah, the uh, deputy general counsel uh, is uh, the, the mm. Comey's, Jim Comey, Comey's general counsel, former gen- general counsel at the FBI headquarters. His name is James Baker. So he, he was... Uh, uh, disgraced after uh, the the FISA Warren abuse scandal, he left, and then Twitter picked him up, and now he is. Uh, uh, I'm sure. I'm sure screening any matters, any you know, content-based matters that may have a, a legal issue, something like that, would be um, a run up to him. And uh, so he has a lot of influence at Twitter. Do you have any idea if he's the one who banned you? No idea. Okay. Yeah, they're kind of a black hole for, of information, isn't it? Um, so uh, talk to me a little bit about, because I'm really concerned about the FBI and the whole government. Right now, government agents have um, a bigger, I don't even know what you would call it, uh, police force than we have Marines. That's a little staggering. Yeah, it's it's getting getting crazy out there. Um, I mean, this has also gotten very personal between the former president and the FBI. And, you know, this is uh, like a full-blown war between the ex-president of the United States and and the federal police. You know, when does that ever happen? Uh, Never uh, that I I know of. So how concerned are you? I, I mean, are you hearing from good FBI agents and enough of them to give you confidence that at least the the average rank and file is not involved in this and won't put up with it? Or what is your feeling? Well, a lot of them aren't uh, putting up with it. There's been a number of whistleblowers that have come out to Senator Grassley recently. So they're getting fed up with the politicization of the bureau. And um, unfortunately, the the same FBI division that ran the corrupt Russiagate operation, and by the way, coddled Hillary and Hunter uh, in those investigations, that they ran the the questionable Trump raid, and uh, they're now running what appears to be Russiagate 2.0. Jeez. And 
it's the it's the counterintelligence uh, division in Washington, even even though it's the focus of Special Counsel Durham's investigation of that prior corruption. I I talked to John Solomon yesterday, and he said that um, he was he was fairly confident that um, these documents still exist. He's trying to get them from the National Archives, copies of them. Um, but he, he wasn't quite sure what what documents they were really looking for. Do you have any idea on that? Well, um, some former FBI and DOJ officials me they suspect the FBI may have used the raid to cover their tracks in the, in this Russiagate scandal. Uh, they may be trying to deep six any evidence that Trump might have kept on them. Um, in other words, you know, Trump Trump may have had proof of their crimes, and they had to make sure that proof that proof never saw the light of day. Um, it, it's a pretty it's a fairly reasonable assumption um, <laughs> that they're sifting sifting through those boxes. Uh, to look for that information uh, that would have a vested interest, especially if they're they're under investigation criminally by Durham right now, to make sure that those documents, if Trump had them, uh, you know, do not become public. And is it true that uh, Biden uh, signed an order saying we're not going to release these things, and you know his? Uh, uh, his order to release and to make them public is rescinded, which it's my understanding that's never happened before. Yeah, yeah. When when uh, A.G. Garland came in, that ju- the Justice, Par- Justice Department um, put the kibosh in that uh, declassification order. And it was the, the last, literally the last hour of his presidency, wasn't it, that they right. pulled them? right. And so uh, they they have their own roadmap. They know what um, was in that binder, and um, they they want to make sure that there's not some copies in, in the seven boxes that they pulled out of uh, Mar-a-Lago. By the way, a careful reading of of that warrant shows basic they basically uh, that the the warrant basically allowed the the agents to take anything they wanted from Trump's home. So so no no telling what they got. And what they're going to do with it, um, how they're going to use it against Trump. It's, it's, it looks like it was a complete fishing expedition. Um, and by the way, that uh, that belies assurances that we got in that press conference from the attorney general. Um, he said that he told everybody, uh, you know, this that, that that the investigation was narrowly focused and the search warrant was narrowly scoped. Not even it was a, it was a general warrant. Yeah. Yeah, the release of that warrant shows that that uh, he misled, misled the public and acted in bad faith. Uh, so that that already uh, gives anybody, including most of all Trump, pause uh, skepticism to believe that their current assurances that the affidavit, which is uh, the document that supports or allegedly would support pro- probable cause of a crime being committed to warrant such a, a, a raid and a search. Uh, was properly supported, and you know you've got the whole track record. Of the FBI um, just c- completely uh, acting dishonestly uh, and unethically in swearing out warrants for uh, FISA court uh, surveillance on one of Trump's advisors. 
So, yeah, Trump is not a dumb, stupid man. He is not. He plays three-dimensional chess at times. Um, he might appear to be uh, flying by the seat of his pants, and I think sometimes he is. But he's he's smart enough to, if he has those documents, not just leave them in a box. He would have copied them or given a copy to his attorneys or someplace for safekeeping is would that be illegal uh no and and you know he he had um skiffs set up for him in bedminster his 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 place in bedminster and also mar-a-lago people don't report this but he was very careful whenever he would go um to these homes, uh, you know, second White House homes, like every president, uh, he, the Secret Service built uh, under the direct intelligence community uh, sensitive compartmented information facilities within his residences. And that's where he would receive his presidential daily briefings. He would uh, store classified documents in there. Uh, so this, this whole notion that he's this reckless guy who's strewing around, you know, top secret, national secrets, nuclear secrets everywhere, that's BS because he had skiffs set up. This was all done just like every other president has had done in their secondary homes. Um, how concerned uh, are you or when does this uh, and what will it take for this to end? The collusion between the government and for instance twitter or others where the government we now know has told uh people clearly uh at twitter you really need to do something about this person what is it going to take this is such an end run against our constitution these public private partnerships with these media companies and with social media do you see a way to stop that well you're right these gatekeepers uh in big tech have so much power over our free speech uh these days and um uh you would have to have somebody like elon musk a very deep pocketed billionaire to come in and take over uh which doesn't look good now especially with this latest uh um, cybersecurity whistleblower coming out and saying that there was a lot of more fake accounts than they let on. So that kind of strengthens mm. Musk's case to back out of the deal. It's, it's not very hopeful for guys like me or, or you know, political prisoners locked in uh, right. jail. But, you know, he, he, he someone like that would have to get in there and um, you know, get rid of this, this Twitter's new CEO, this, this guy, um, you know, he, he wants to focus, he actually was caught saying that he wants to focus less on free speech and more on, quote, choosing who can be heard, especially in election years, apparently. Oh, um, God. So, yeah, that's the guy who's running this thing. He's this Indian fellow, I forget his, uh, uh, I think it's Pagram or something like that. Um, you know, the, the, it starts from the top and... Um, Guys like that, you know, they're mostly very liberal Democrats who are running Twitter, including their board. And so that's what it would take. Put some fair-minded people in there who, you know, respect and, and love free speech. Mm. And, you know, not not one way, not conservative, I'm not saying conservative way or the other. And I think that Elon Musk would be someone like that because he really does want a free-for-all. 
yeah. on, on a social media platform. He doesn't want you know, to, to skew things one, one way or the other. Right, just, right, right. And that's how it should be. Yes. That, you know, are inciting violence. You put it out there, and it's up to the people to decide what they want right. to believe or how, and, you know, and leave it up to the debate. And eventually, uh, the truth will, will percolate up uh, through, through uh, free debate. And that's not what the, the, the current Twitter uh, powers that be want. They want, like this guy said, we, we want to choose who can be heard uh, and who can shape our, our political narrative uh, the best. And people who are running fact-based content like me and fact-driven content uh, that is uh, inconvenient to that narrative, uh, they don't want on their platform. Well, for now, you can fall, find Paul Sperry at RealClearInvestigations.com. That's RealClearInvestigations.com. Paul, thank you so much. God bless. Keep us up to date, will you? Thanks, Glenn. You bet. Bye-bye. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck Program. Blake Masters, welcome to the program. Hey, thank you for having me. You, you bet. You bet. We had dinner six months ago or so. Uh, and I walked away uh, really impressed uh, by you. You're now you've won the uh, primary. You're now going for the general and you're going up against Mark Kelly. Can you tell me, give me three things that make you different from him? Well, one, I'm actually independent. And, uh, you know, it's something Mark Kelly promised to be. He promised in 2020 he was going to be an independent voice in Arizona. Uh, and, and so some people bought that. Turns out, not so much. Mark Kelly votes basically in lockstep for the Joe Biden, Chuck Schumer, open borders, inflation agenda. Um, you know, two, and you mentioned this a little bit. I think we need some younger people in Congress. You know, I'd be the youngest Republican senator, uh, almost the, Repu- the, the youngest uh, senator in the whole chamber. And, you know, the average age of the Senate, 64, 65 years old. You know, I'm 36 years old. I'm just getting into my prime. Uh, I've been around long enough to to acquire a little bit of wisdom, and I, I see the country heading in the wrong direction. I think we need a useful dose, useful dose of energy to go in and uh, and reset things. And then the third thing, Glenn, is just I have this America First agenda that makes sense. It's what we needed in 2016. I think it's what we needed in 2020, and we didn't get it. And look how badly we're suffering now under this Biden Harris regime. So I want to restore American energy independence, right? I want to stop the government from printing so much money that we just caused this massive inflation. I actually want to seal the border so that we don't have this crazy border crisis and stop illegal immigration. Um, Mark Kelly's the opposite, substantively on all of those points. What do you think about ESG? I think it's dangerous. I think it's scary. I think we need to ban it. You know, and I'm like the only congressional candidate, apparently, the only senatorial candidate nationwide that's saying we need to ban ESG. You know, the the left, they've drafted corporate America into their into their their plan. They're just you can think of ESG scores, right? It's just kind of a scorecard for how well does your enterprise comply with left wing prerogatives, with with left wing social justice activism. And it's really dangerous. You know, it's basically trying to to co-opt business into this left-wing, um, you know, socialistic agenda. I think we need to study it. I think we need to understand exactly how they're doing it. I think we need to ban it. Tell me how you feel about the FBI. 
Well, I wish I could trust the FBI, and increasingly, you just you just can't. You know, sometimes when I say this, people attack me and they say, oh, Blake's attacking law enforcement. No, I love law enforcement, right? And the whole point of law enforcement is you enforce the laws neutrally. It's the rule of law. And the problem under Merrick Garland, under Joe Biden, the DOJ, the FBI, they've just kind of obviously become weaponized. I think there's probably a lot of great rank and file agents, um, and they're probably more pissed off than anyone at what's happening. But what's happening is the upper layers of, of management, they are left-wing political operatives. And I think they're just going after political enemies. Um, and, and that really corrodes the rule of law. I think if we let this go on just an inch more, we're really at risk of losing the country. You can't have weaponized partisan federal law enforcement. It just doesn't work in a free country. Tell me, uh, tell me what you think, Blake, about, I mean, there was a op-ed piece that was out yesterday, I think, yesterday, the day before, uh, from the New York Times, where they actually said it is time to jettison the uh, Constitution of the United States, that it's an old document, it's outdated, and uh, it is slowing down progress, and we should get rid of it. Tell me what the oath that you would be taking means to you. Tell me about your understanding of the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution. Why should we trust that you would be different than those already there who don't really take that seriously? Well, I, you know, and actions speak louder than words. So people will see once I get in there that I do take these things deadly seriously. I'm running because I've just, I've grown up watching a government that cares less and less about our foundational principles that cares less and less about the rule of law. And look what it's given us, right? It's led us to this situation. Um, and so, no, I mean, I think these documents were literally divinely inspired. Um, I think America is the greatest country in the history of the world, this, this remarkable experiment in, in liberty, in ordered liberty, right? It doesn't mean just do whatever you want, no rule. Right. No, ordered liberty per our constitutional design. And the scary thing, Glenn, is if we lose that, then it's just gone to history. You know, there's nothing preordained that says America has to last forever. And the founders knew this, right? They knew that every generation needed to reinvest. Certainly you needed to, to grow up becoming acquainted with these foundational principles of liberty and learn about the Bill of Rights and the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution. And we're failing to teach our kids that, well, if we let it slip away, right? It's the, it's the cliche Reagan quote, freedom is only one generation away from extinction. And never have I believed that more than I do now, now that I have young children. If we let this slip, if we lose this country, it's gone forever. And it could be just thousands and thousands of years of, you know, relatively dark ages. And so I think this is our last stand, 2022 and 2024. These elections go together. We either get uh, the right kind of Republican in office to stop this madness or we're going to lose the country. Literally think the choice here is that start. So, uh, you know, we've, we've done this before, and I believe you're exactly right. This election and the last election, I believe it's uh, last call. If we get these two elections wrong, and that could mean getting the wrong Republicans in, if we don't, if we don't take control of the Constitution and defend it and protect it and restore its powers uh, and put the powers in each branch back to where they belong, we don't make it. So why should somebody vote for you um, that has maybe given up on the Republicans? And I mean, who are you going to 
you can't be completely independent. You need a group of, of guys that, you know, you're like-minded with, that you're working together. Who would be the senators that you would want to be around and work with? Well, certainly Senator Rand Paul, I think, is is great. And I was, a, you know, I was a Ron Paul guy back in 07, 08. Um, Senator Josh Hawley is, uh, is, is a friend of mine, and, you know, he's endorsed me. I think he's... Um, he's an excellent senator. Uh, Tom Cotton, especially domestically, you know, I think is is pretty good. There's Ted Cruz, you know, it's always two steps forward, one step back with Ted Cruz, but I think he's he's getting better. <laughs> you know, the, the the issue is we have um, we have like you know ten, maybe fifteen, like pretty good ones, but there's fifty. There's fifty Republican senators, and there's a lot of them that just you know kind of the ones people haven't heard of, and they go along to get along. And I think it's probably all too easy when you get in the U.S. Senate to lose touch, right? You, you, you live in this, even if you go in with good intentions, even if you go in, you know, and, and your heart's in the right place, you're still part of the Washington, D.C. cocktail party scene, and you just lose touch with ordinary people. And, uh, you know, it's something I know that I'm never going to do. Uh, and I'm just going to go in and represent Arizonans because they're badly, badly lacking representation right now. Mark Kelly, he promised he'd be independent. He promised he'd be moderate. And instead, he's voting for open borders and trillions in spending and basically anything that Biden wants. Mark Kelly's there to say, yes, sir. Uh, happy to happy to do that, sir. It's interesting, Blake, watching Arizona because we were told that Kelly was going to be the moderate. And then it's Kirsten Cinema who's been the only one who's pushed back at all against anything that Biden has done. Do the people of Arizona see that? Are they noticing this? I think they are. They are. Absolutely. The issue is, you know, Mark Kelly, I mean, you've got to give them credit. They're good at the shtick. The shtick is, you know, around election time, you come out and you just dominate the airwaves. They raise lots of money. You know, they have the act blue machine. Um, Mm -hmm. There's a lot of, you know, dark money. money. Yeah. Um, and, And so Mark Kelly, yeah, he's on the airwaves right now pretending to be reasonable, pretending to not have voted for open borders, pretending to not have voted for all this crazy spending. And so most people, you know, just they're not political activists, they're normal people. They're just living their lives. You know, they're upset at the at the open border. They're upset at, at you know, skyrocketing costs at the pump and everything you need at the grocery store is just getting more expensive. But then they see Mark Kelly on TV. He's emerged from hiding. You know, you're eight weeks from an election. And he says, I'm really concerned about inflation. That's why I'm doing blah, 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 blah. I'm really concerned about the border. We need to finish the wall. And it's like, what? I'm sorry. The Democrats just spent the last six years talking about how Trump's wall was racist. But all of a sudden, Mark Kelly, who's done more than anyone else to enable open borders in Arizona, is pretending to be pro-border security. He he likes the wall all of a sudden. So basically, you know, I've got to get the message out that, hey, this guy that you see on TV He's basically lying you. He's, he's trying to con you. Um, he's not a moderate. And here's his voting record. Right? You can just look up his voting record. He's voting in lockstep with Schumer and Biden. Seems like a seems like a problem. So that's the race that we're in. So I have what? To just tell the truth, and Mark Kelly has to lie about his record. What is the what is the best way to to help you? Best way to help me if you live in Arizona, I'd sure be honored for your vote and for your activism, right? Your time, go whip the votes. Um, we need to, we need to fundraise too. Fundraising is the name of the game. Like we said, Mark Kelly has that, uh, that mountain of money. A lot of it's dark money. Um, but if people can chip in five, 10, 20 bucks goes a long way because 
I might get outspent in this election, Glenn. I actually think I will. But again, we have the advantage of only needing to tell the truth. I tell the truth about me and what I bring to the table and what Mark Kelly's done and voted for in the Senate. I'm not going to attack his character, uh, but I will attack his voting record because it's super, super left wing. Mark Kelly, he's got to use his money to lie about me, to slander me, to lie about his record. And ultimately, I just don't think it's naive. I think it's just true. The truth wins out uh, if we if we work really, really hard to spread the word. Well, uh, I think. um uh, you know, people have to make their own decision, uh, especially in Arizona. But uh, if you want to help out, uh, you should. This is a possible uh, win for the Senate and sounds to me like the right kind of uh, right kind of Republican that we would get. We don't need another Mitch McConnell. We don't need any more of those. Uh, we need some people that stand uh, from a different place and somebody who is young and gets it. Uh, his name is Blake Masters. He is running for U.S. Senate. If you'd like to help him out, uh, you fundraising or just volunteering if you're in Arizona, BlakeMasters.com, BlakeMasters.com. Na, na, na.